morning, church. Uh, please turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 16 to verse 23. Colossians chapter 2, verse 26 to verse 23. It says, Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink or with regard to a festival or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism, and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God. If with Christ you die to the elemental spirit of the world, why, as if you are still alive in the world, do you submit to its regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. According to human precepts and teachings, these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Now, the title of my sermon is, If You Have Jesus, You Have Everything. If you have Jesus, you have everything. Uh, William Randolph Hearst was an obsessive art collector. Uh, his mother once said about him as a boy that he was obsessed with antiquities. In the early 1920s, he bought a five-story warehouse in Bronx in the USA to store his art collections. He had six other residences, including a castle in Wales and a lavish estate in California. These could not contain all his treasures. We are told that by 1935, his collections were valued at more than 20 million U.S. dollars. A story is told that William read about some special piece of artwork, and as he was reading about it, he was interested in it, and he said, I need to get this. And the story goes that he sent out his agent to go around the world to look for this piece of artwork, his agent went to Europe and he went to all the art galleries. He went to all the exclusive art galleries and he, he connected with all the experts in art who could guide him to this piece of artwork. And the agent went for months and could not find that piece of art. 
Finally, this agent returns to California and he reports to William. He says, the items have at last been found. The agent tells William, he says, sir, we have the items, but you cannot buy them. William is surprised and he's annoyed by this. He says, what do you mean I cannot buy them? Name the price. I want to buy them. And the agent says to him, sir, you cannot buy these items because they already belong to you. You see, friends, William had bought these items years ago, but he did not know their worth, and he forgot about them. See, they were found in one of his art warehouses. See, he, he went all around the world looking for what he already had. This is a painful illustration of how many Christians live today. We go around looking for things that are already provided in Christ. We go around looking for spiritual experiences. We seek for special religious experiences. We are not satisfied in Christ, and so we add unnecessary rules to our faith. We think real godliness is inflicting pain on ourselves. We are tempted to embrace a Christless worldview. We go around looking for what we already have in Christ. So brothers and sisters, for time together this morning, I want us to be persuaded that all that we need for our Christian maturity has already been provided in Jesus Christ. And therefore, don't trust in your efforts, don't pursue any mystical experiences, and don't punish yourself. So as a way of introduction, I want to answer this question. What does it mean to have Jesus? If we have Jesus, we have everything. What does it mean to have Jesus? So I want to look at that, and then I want to look at three commands that follow from that. So this will be our outline. So first, after having looked at what it means to have Jesus, we will look at the three commands that follow from that. And the first one is, don't burden yourself with a law that has already been fulfilled in Christ. Second, don't run after Christless spiritual religious experiences. And third, don't punish yourself. What does it mean to have Jesus? Brothers and sisters, to have Jesus means that you have come to terms with the fact that you need Christ. So this means that you have seen your desperate need for a savior. Colossians 1.13 describes this person as one who understands that without Jesus, they were in the domain of darkness. It describes this person who understands that without Jesus, they were outside the kingdom of God. As we look at verse 14 of Colossians chapter 1, it describes this sort of person as one who must be redeemed. You see, it is a person who acknowledges that they were prisoners of sin and the devil. They required forgiveness of sin. As we look at verse 20 of Colossians chapter 1, it describes this sort of person as one who is in need of reconciliation with God. To have Jesus is to come to this point where you realize that you require forgiveness. 
You are in need of reconciliation with God. You are alienated from God. You are hostile toward God. You delight in doing evil deeds. You see, having Jesus means that you have come to this point where you realize that you are a sinner through and through. Mind, emotions, actions. Having Jesus begins with realizing that you need a savior. And second, having Jesus means that you have put your faith in Jesus Christ alone. It means that having seen your brokenness and your weakness, your failure, your sinfulness, you put your faith in Jesus Christ alone, exclusively. In Colossians 1 verse 3, the Apostle Paul opens this letter by describing these people. He says, these people, they have heard the gospel in the word of the truth. He says, we we always thank God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, since we heard of your faith in Christ and of the love that you have for all the saints because of the hope laid up for you in heaven. You see, brethren, to be a Christian means that you have come to Jesus with your sin and you have laid it all on him. It means that you have embraced the forgiveness that only Jesus can give. You have faith in Christ, Colossians 2, verse 5. It means that you have believed in Jesus as the Lord, Colossians 2, verse 6. It means that Jesus is your bedrock. He's your foundation. He's your all in all. You see, to have Jesus means that Jesus alone is your Savior. You walk in him, you are rooted in him, you are built in him, and you are established in him so this morning i'm saying if we have jesus we have everything you see friends this means that in jesus we have everything we need for salvation we have everything we need for christian maturity we have everything we need for assurance of salvation and we have everything we need for the security of our salvation And since Jesus is enough, don't burden yourself with a law that has been fulfilled in Jesus. Look at Colossians chapter 2, verse 16. Therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to a festival or a new moon or Sabbath. These are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance belongs to Christ. See, there was this false teaching that, has, that had infiltrated this church. And these false teachers were saying, you must obey the Old Testament law. Say, so yes, Jesus is the Savior, but the path to Christian maturity is through obedience to the Old Testament law. See, these people were coming with rules that should prove if one is a true believer or not. They're saying, don't eat this, don't eat that, don't handle, don't taste, don't touch. This is what the false teachers were saying. They're saying, Jewish observances are essential for spiritual advancement. They're saying, you have to obey the Old Testament law in order to be accepted. 
they were observing Christians and they're saying, you guys are enjoying bacon and cheeseburgers? Wow! Have you not read the Holy Scriptures? Deuteronomy chapter 14, verse 8 to 10. And the pig, because of its parts, the hoof, but does not chew the card, is unclean for you. Their flesh you shall not eat, and their carcasses you shall not touch. Of all that are in the waters you may eat, whatever has fins and scales you may eat, and whatever does not have fins and scales you shall not eat. It is unclean for you. Brothers and sisters, here we see the subtle danger of this teaching that emphasized the Jewish law. These false teachers were saying, you see, we are all about the word of God. Our intentions are pure. We want you to be a Christian who obeys God completely. We are all about sola scriptura. And not only that, we are all about total scriptura. All of it. You say you love God? Then do you love his word? Do you believe in the Bible? Have you read Deuteronomy chapter 14? Then why do you eat bacon and cheeseburgers? Why do you eat prawns? Why do you eat shrimps? Come on. True Christians obey the law of Moses. This is what they were saying. You must only eat and drink certain foods. You must only, you must obey the Jewish calendar. It's in the Bible. You see, they were saying, it's not me that you have a problem with. It's the Bible you have a problem with. How does Paul reply? Look at verse 17. He says, these are a shadow of the things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. The shadow, a picture, an image. The Old Testament rituals, ceremonies, and institutions were a picture of God's promise to bring a savior. Why do you insist on food and drink laws when the bread of life invites sinners to come to him? It is Jesus who said in John 6, 35, I am the bread of life, and whoever comes to me shall not hunger, and whoever believes in me shall never thirst. How can the observance of the Passover be considered as a means to spiritual perfection when Jesus, the real Passover, has sacrificed himself on the cross? He says, don't let anyone take away your confidence in Christ. Don't let anyone impose the law of Moses. In fact, don't permit anyone to give you laws that are not laws of Christ. In other words, Paul is saying, do not let anyone impose upon you a program of spiritual development that does not have Christ at the center. He's saying, understand the law. Have a proper comprehension of the law. The law was given to show God's high standard for holiness. The law of Moses was given to show the impossibility of salvation by the law. Romans 8 verse 3, For God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh. James 2 verse 10, For, whatever, for whoever keeps the whole law but fails in one point has become guilty of it all. The law simply says, do this, but it does not give help whatsoever. The law 
was given to lead us to Christ. Romans 3.21 But now righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. The law was given to point us to a great need. You see, it was given to show us the great standard of God. It was given to show us, to give us insights into the character of God, the otherness of God, the glorious character of God. It was given to lead us to Christ. The law was given so we could learn about our utter failure, our utter sinfulness and hopelessness, our complete inability. It was given to make us desperate, to show us the state of our poverty, to show us that we are spiritual paupers. The law was given to show us the high standard of God's holiness. It was not given to grant salvation. And it was not given as a program of sanctification. The law was given to bring us to this point where we say, not the labors of my hands can fulfill thy law's demands. Could my zeal no respite No, Could my tears forever, forever flow? All for sin could not atone. And thou must save and thou alone. You see, Paul is saying not all of the law is applicable today. Galatians 3.23 The law was our guardian until Christ came in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian. Galatians 5 For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand therefore and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. He says, look, I, Paul, say to you that if you accept circumcision, Christ will be of no advantage to you. The idea here is if you accept the deity laws, if you accept the ceremonial laws, if you accept all these prohibitions that were given for a limited, for a limited time to the Israelites, then Christ will be of no value to you. The Old Testament law was never intended by God to be the universal law for all people, for all time. You see, Jesus summarizes this and he says, we are to love God and love our neighbors. He says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. And if we obey these two commandments faithfully, we'll be upholding all that God requires from us. So brothers and sisters, Jesus is enough. Don't burden yourself with the law that has been fulfilled in Christ. Don't let anyone impose upon you a program of spiritual development that does not have Christ at the center. Now, what are the ways in which we are tempted to burden others with laws? Think about this. Are there any areas in your life where you are likely to impose extra burdens on others? Are there certain things that you feel strongly about? You know, these things that are not explicitly commanded or prohibited in the Bible, but you feel so strongly about and you are tempted to impose them on others. Do some introspection. 
remember to be gentle, kind, accommodating, considerate, and promote unity and godliness at all times. False teachers are relentless. They will not stop trying to undermine Jesus Christ. And the Bible now gives us a second anchor. Jesus is enough. Don't run after Christless spiritual religious experiences. That's our second point. Jesus is enough. Don't run after Christless spiritual religious experiences. Look at verse 18, Colossians 2. Let no one disqualify you, insisting on asceticism and worship of angels, going on in detail about visions, puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind, and not holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together, through its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. You see, here the Bible is telling us, do not allow any ritualist, do not allow anyone to say, since you are not following my rules and regulations, you are not in the race, you are not in the contest at all, you are unfit, you are unworthy. You see, these ritualists were pretending to be humble. So you saw in the first, uh, um, uh, in the first way in which they try to deceive people, they, uh, they are coming pretending to be all about the Bible, all about Scripture. But now they are coming pretending to be humble. You see, they were saying, we must live a simple life. We must deny ourselves anything that is pleasurable. We must prepare our bodies to get into a meditative state. See, the Bible tells us that they also insisted on the worship of angels. So they came here with this false humility. And they were deceiving people. They were saying, you know, we are too insignificant to approach God directly. We need some more mediators. See, this heresy was a direct insult on the sufficiency and the character of Jesus Christ. This heresy was making Jesus to look like a failure. They were saying that true spirituality is when you have an out-of-body experience. They're saying, you know, we are so bad that even Jesus is not enough. You know, he tried, but hey, we have to help him. You know, we are so bad, we can, uh, he can only do so much. Uh, we, we must supplement him with angels. I mean, the way we are so bad, Jesus cannot do it. He needs angels to help him. Our condition is so bad. We must supplement him with angels. And we must appease these angels so that they can do a good job for us. You see, they were saying you need to have an out-of-body experience. You need to feel something from the bosom. Visions, angels, lofty mystical experiences, something extra, extreme, and extraordinary. A special revelation. Today, many people shipwreck their faith by pursuing extra these, uh, these special religious experiences that the Bible knows nothing of. People long for fulfillment and assurance in experiences. They want to feel a certain way. They want to have a particular experience. 
They have neglected the truth of God's word to go after some mystical experiences. A current obsession today is the ayahuasca experience. You see, people go to some retreat, and when they get there, there is uh, this man called a shaman who gives them a drink that puts them into hallucination, and they say this is a life-changing experience. And lest you think that, oh, this is something that's far away from us. I read an article this week from someone who had an ayahuasca experience in Centurion. And he wrote an article about it. It's titled, My Ayahuasca Journey, A Life-Changing Experience in South Africa. He says, this is the article, he says, wow, where do I start with this ayahuasca experience? My whole life I felt like a wandering lost soul, questioning everything, looking for the answer to to pretty much any and every divine and not so divine related question. Having almost become a shell of myself and feeling a sense of abandonment from everyone's favorite being, namely God, I was living in my head, overanalyzing everything, but never really getting what my soul needed. I grew up Methodist and only to be moved over to the Enkirkirk. I've both hated and loved God during my journey. On, on this earth, never really feeling that warm, fuzzy feeling that, oh, so many people were feeling. The long and the short of it is that when I heard about the ayahuasca, I needed to explore more. See, brethren, this person lost their faith and their confidence in the truth that is found in God's word. And they ran after feelings. They ran after experiences. And they find themselves drawn into these sort of things. And you see, ayahuasca is a drink made from ingredients that make you hallucinate. See, and there are charlatans going around calling themselves shamans. And they promise to give people a trip or a life-changing experience. See, what is actually happening is you are actually hallucinating. And celebrities and a lot of confused people talk about this as a life-changing experience. They claim that it helped them to discover themselves. Brothers and sisters, there is nothing to discover in ayahuasca. It is a drink that makes you to hallucinate. And church, I'm warning you against this obsession with spiritual experiences. Brothers and sisters, you need to hold on to the truth that is found in God's word. You need to stick with Christ. You need to believe what has been revealed in the Bible. Don't be tempted to pursue religious experiences. Do not be tempted to find your satisfaction in a feeling. Don't base your assurance of salvation upon some experience, upon some feeling. Be rooted in truth. Brothers and sisters, you don't need to be manipulated into an emotional religious experience. You don't need to get into a trance. You don't don't need to get into a drunken stupor. Stick with Christ. Study his character. Immense yourself in his accomplishments for you. See him as glorious as he is. Hold fast to the head from whom the whole body is nourished. Friends, 
Jesus is enough. Don't run after Christless spiritual religious experiences. Hold fast to Christ. Don't let anyone impose upon you a program for spiritual development that does not have Christ at its heart. True spirituality, legitimate Christian growth, real Christian maturity is rooted in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ, he's the source and the sustainer of all believers. Hebrews 12 tells us that Jesus Christ, he's the author and the finisher of our faith. You don't need other mediators. First Timothy chapter 2 verse 5 tells us that there is one God and there's one mediator between man and God, the man, Christ Jesus. Be satisfied in Jesus Christ. Acts chapter 4 verse 12, there is no salvation in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given among men by which man must be saved. You see, true Christianity is about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done for you. Hold fast to the head. Jesus says this about himself. He says, I am the bread of life. I'm the light of the world. I'm the door. I'm the good shepherd. I'm the resurrection and the life. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. I'm the true vine. Be rooted in Jesus Christ for your, for your sustenance. Is sin strong? Come to Jesus. Is temptation strong? Come to Jesus. Are you discouraged? Come to Jesus. Are you despondent? Come to Jesus. Are you confused? Come to Jesus. Are you burdened? Come ye weary and heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If you tarry till you better, you will never come at all. You don't need some special out-of-body spiritual experience. Trust in him. Believe in his word. Depend upon his promises. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. You'll find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Don't pursue spiritual religious experiences because you'll not find your satisfaction from those. Stand upon the solid rock that is Jesus Christ. Study him, study his character. Let us look at our final instruction this morning. Jesus is enough. Don't punish yourself. Look at verse 20. If with Christ you have died to the elemental spirits of the world, why as if you are still alive in the world do you submit to its regulations? Do not handle, do not taste, do not touch. Referring to the things that all perishes they are used according to human precepts and teachings. These have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion and asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. See, what we see from this text is that self-made religion focuses on the external and not the internal. See, self-made religion imposes upon people what Christ has already fulfilled. For them it has an appearance of wisdom it looks like wisdom but in actual fact it's foolishness self-made religion does not help but it actually causes harm 
You see, Christless religion is empty religion. Christless religion is godless religion. Christless religion majors on the minors. These false teachers were proposing that the way to please God is through causing harm to your body. They're saying make your body suffer, fast for longer, be in the cold, only drink water, be alone, do not be in the company of people, go to the mountains, pray at midnight, get up at 4 a.m. to do your devotions, sleep only for a few hours. If it's hard, then it's godly. That's the motto. No pain, no gain. (laughs) What is behind this idea? It is the belief that yes, God has rescued you, but that is not enough. You also need to prove yourself. It is this belief that Jesus took the punishment for your sin, but that's, that's not enough. You must also bear the physical pain for your sin. You see, it is this view that Jesus forgave me, but I must also forgive myself. See, even though at face value this might seem humble, but friends, this is an act of pride and idolatry because you are saying, even though God has declared not guilty on my account, it is not settled until I say so. Now let me ask this. Is it wrong to pursue discipline in the Christian faith? No. We must acknowledge that our salvation, joy, and assurance rests upon Jesus Christ. We must also realize that Christians are called to godliness, and godliness comes through discipline. Train yourself in godliness. 1 Timothy 4, verse 7. Take your cross daily. Luke chapter 9. You see, all of this is centered on who Christ is. It's centered on the fact that Christ is the one who empowers, who enables, and transforms. But false teaching wants to counterfeit this. False teaching says, I obey so I can be accepted. Christianity says, I'm accepted, therefore I obey. You see, false teaching says, look at my efforts. Christianity says, look at Christ's work. You see, false religion says, I've done so much, God must bless me. Christianity says, God has done so much for me, for me, and I must bless him. You see, false religion is concerned about the external and not the internal. It gets sanctification wrong. It makes Christianity ugly. It removes the beauty out of God's commandments. It undermines the goodness of God's directives by making them seem heavy, unnecessary, and punitive. You see, friends, we need to watch out against this Christless religion. It is dangerous, it's damaging, and it's deadly. It makes you bold and biblical and arrogant. It makes you unloving and dangerous. It says over and above the explicit commands of God, you have to be like me, you have to do what I do, and you must never be different. Church, I want you to be amazed by Jesus Christ. Don't fall for the lie. Don't listen to the false teaching. Put your faith in Jesus Christ alone. Put your confidence in Jesus Christ alone. Study him. He is sufficient. Study his identity. He is the omnipotent one. He is the king of kings. He is the prince of peace. He is the lord of lords. He is the preeminent one. He is the son of God. 
Study his character. Look at his character. He is gentle and lowly. He is compassionate. He is kind. He is forgiving. Study his works and his accomplishments. He is a qualified savior. He is a commissioned savior. He is a sufficient savior. He is the giver of life, the giver of eternal life. He is the perfect substitute. He is the redeemer of mankind. He rescues sinners. He sustains and he protects and he calls sinners. He seeks after sinners. He welcomes sinners. Church, is this your Jesus? Do you believe in this Jesus, the big Jesus? Study his sympathy. Hebrews 4, verse 15. It tells us that we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are yet without sin. Brothers and sisters, if you understand Jesus this way, you'll not be tempted to tend to any other thing. You see, it is this low view of Jesus Christ that makes you to be prey to false teachers. But if you have a big vision of Jesus Christ, you'll realize that he's sufficient. If we have Christ, we have everything. Study his current occupation right now towards you. Romans 8, 34, it says, Jesus Christ, right now, he's at the right hand of God. What is he doing? He's interceding for us. Study his gifts. Romans 8, 17. We are co-heirs with Christ. We are born again to a living hope. 1 Peter 1, 3. 1 Peter 1, 4. Because of Christ, we have an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Why would you listen to any charlatan trying to convince you to go for a spiritual experience instead of listening to the promises that are found in God's word. Study his promises. John 14, verse 16, he says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Hebrews 13, verse 5, study his promises. Oh, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Brothers and sisters, Jesus is enough. Don't burden yourself with the law that has been completely fulfilled in Christ. Don't run after Christless spiritual religious experiences and don't punish yourself. Rest in him. Amen.